Happy New Year, Chase Oaks Church. It is so good to be with you this weekend. I want to take a moment to greet everybody that is watching online. What's up to everybody in Woodbridge, Sloan Creek, Richardson, and Espanol. If you have made a New Year's resolution to go to church more, I want you to know you are crushing it with your goal. You are killing it this weekend. Thank you so much. You are batting 1,000 on that goal. And uh, so happy that you are here this weekend. I want to uh, do a standalone message today called The Best Way to Start Your Year. We're going to look at a text, and it's the story of the leper. Matthew 8, chapter 1 says, it says, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing be cleansed immediately. His leprosy was cleansed. Can we pray for a moment? Father, I pray that in these next few moments that we would all have at least one thing in our life that we surrender to you, that we hand over to you in worship. Bless our year. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it. I am a consummate germaphobe, okay? I, I am the guy on the airplane that is wiping down the seat. I bring my own Clorox wipes. I don't need yours. I got my own. Like, like I'm just, I'm just that, that guy. Maybe it's because I got young kids and don't want them to get sick, but I'm just, I'm that guy that walks into uh, the restaurant bathroom and it's, you see that sign and it says, all employees must wash their hands. I think to myself, it should say all mankind should wash their hands. Like, how is it optional for everybody else? Now, especially being in ministry, it can be a little bit difficult because let's say I go use the bathroom. Well, like, even if I'm in my stall, I can see shoes, right? And you can see what shoes didn't go to the sink and went straight out the door. And then they're like, yeah, come meet Ryan after the service. And now they want prayer. I'm like, I see your shoes. I know who you are. (laughs) Not today. I don't care what you got going on. I'm not praying for you, man. I mean, I just, I'm, I, I'm just that guy. And, and what I'm trying to illustrate for you uh, this morning is this is how uh, the Jewish community would treat a leper. There was so much disdain, so much fear of if, if we get close to this leper, we will somehow contract what he or she has. The leprosy itself is an interesting disease. Um, it will kill you, but it takes about 40 years to do so. Doctors call leprosy death by inches. Um, it starts by taking just a little bit of your limbs. It starts with your toes, and then eventually you lose your nose. I'm not rapping this weekend, but I'm letting you know that this is something that is taking away a person's life one inch at a time. There are even lepers today. There are leper villages. In fact, um, in the Bible, uh, lepers couldn't live in the city with regular people. They had a village outside of the community where that's where lepers would have to be ostracized from society. The only other friends the lepers had were lepers. You had leper friends. You were disowned by your family. You were whispered about if you were to go to the market to get some groceries, you would have to shout out, unclean, 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 to let anybody else know that was presumably clean that you were on your way and they needed to get out of your way because you didn't want to get into a six-foot radius of a leper. Um, 
old prophets believed that lepers were the very embodiment of sin itself. Their thought was um, they, they were the perfect illustration of what sin actually does to your soul. It doesn't kill you right away, but over time it takes its toll. And the way Matthew tells this story, um, we, we started at chapter 8, but when Matthew wrote this, he wasn't writing chapters. He was just telling a story. And here is what he says. He says that when he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. He came down, which makes us ask this question. What in the world was he, speaking of Jesus, doing up there? And what were the great multitudes doing up there? I'm glad you asked. Here is what was happening up there on the mountains. Jesus was delivering what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's considered one of the greatest sermons of all time. Scholars believe that it took Jesus about three days to do this sermon, to deliver it over the course of time. So this great multitude is on this mountain. They're having a three-day conference, and they're hearing from Jesus, and their minds are blown. This message starts off with how to be blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. People feeling good. They're like, yeah, I want to be blessed. Yeah, I like this. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Let's do this. Like, like it's going on, right? Like, like there, it feels good. But then this message takes a turn. And then at this point in verse 20, it says, Jesus says, it says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine if I started off my message today? Hey, unless your righteousness exceeds that of Jeff Jones, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Happy New Year. Like, I, like I couldn't do that. You go, really, Jeff, ain't that great? I mean, like you charge, you start, you know, sizing up people. I mean... Jesus is going, hey, y'all better get it together. And then <laughs> it gets worse. Then he says in verse 27, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Pretty bad idea. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus you're trying to tell me I can commit adultery just by scrolling on Instagram? Yep. I mean, this sermon has taken a turn. I mean, like, guys are out there going, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I didn't mean to. Uh, you're saying I'm just as guilty. It's like, I didn't write it. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reading the Bible out loud. <laughs> this is what's happening up on the mountain. And. It gets worse. He then says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. You ever met a Christian with a patch on their eye? Just, oh, guys, I messed up. I don't know. How you doing? You good? Yeah, Happy New Year. Yep, my New Year's resolution, I just had to cut this thing like nobody's ever done that. Why? The Bible says. <laughs> and <laughs> it gets worse. But I say to you, love your enemies. Jesus, you know what an enemy is? 
Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. When was the last time you did that? And then it gets worse. (laughs) Check this out. Jesus said, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Jesus is going, hey, you, you want to know how you're going to solve all your problems in 2020? Every relational issue you've ever had, every financial issue, every career issue. Listen, this is, the, this is the antidote to solve every problem you've ever had and are ever going to have. Just be perfect. We good? Okay. Amen. Like, what is Jesus saying? You cannot underestimate the impossibility of Matthew chapter 5. If the only job of a Christ follower was to live up to the standard of Matthew chapter 5 alone, we'd all fail. Like if we got rid of the Ten Commandments, Proverbs, Psalms, Luke, John, Acts, 1st and 2nd, we've got rid of all of that. We just had Matthew chapter 5, you and I wouldn't make it to Tuesday. (laughs) Jesus is on this mountain giving mission impossible. Nobody can do this because nobody can be, as Jesus said, perfect. So why would he deliver the message? What's the point of the message? The point of Jesus' message up there on the mountain is every single one of us needs a Savior. Every single one of us needs someone that could live up to that standard because we can't do it by ourselves and they're up on this mountain and the conference is over and all of a sudden jesus says let's take a field trip down the mountain it's as if matthew 8 verse 1 sums up the entire gospel it's this idea of this perfect savior coming down to us and what do you know lo and behold at the bottom of the mountain is the very embodiment of sin itself. It's as if Jesus is trying to give the great multitude an illustrated sermon and they don't even know it. Down here is what your life will become without a Savior. All of the goals that you and I have this year, they are nothing if we don't get some help. Because if you think about it, one of my friends told me this a couple days ago. He said, you know what my 2020 goals are? I said, what is it? He said, to uh, complete my 2019 goals. Great. (laughs) We all need a little bit of help. We all need a Savior. And here is this leper, the very embodiment of sin, approaching Jesus. And here's what happens next. It says, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. We have a major problem here, ladies and gentlemen. Why in the world is this leper worshiping? If I can invite Mr. Leper onto the stage and say, hey, what are you doing worshiping? Because you're still a leper. 
uh, Luke tells us that this man was full of leprosy, which means he was in the advanced stages of leprosy, which means he would have been in between 30 and 40 years dealing with leprosy, 30 to 40 years dealing with rejection, 30 to 40 years dealing with obscurity, 30 to 40 years of being whispered about walking around with shame and rags and eating out of trash cans, 30 to 40 years, 30 to 40 years of full of reasons not to worship Jesus. In fact, um, there's another story in the Gospels about ten lepers. Jesus heals them all. Only one comes back, returns, and worships, and is grateful for what Jesus has done. That leper worshipped Jesus after Jesus healed him. Mr. Leper here, in Matthew chapter 8, is worshipping Jesus before he does anything. Isn't it easy to worship God after something great happens? I mean, just think about that. Like, you get a raise, you're like, praise God! Duh, well, why wouldn't you? Like, you, you've not been in a relationship for a while, you're going to think, you're like, praise God! You, like, step into it, it's great, but, like, how many of us will do it before anything happens? What I want to encourage you to do this year, what I want to encourage you to do this weekend, is we shouldn't wait for our circumstances to improve before we decide to worship God anyways. You see, for this leper, he's going, I'm not worshiping you because of something you've done for me. I'm worshiping you because of who you are to me. Ladies and gentlemen, God's goodness is not on trial this weekend. God's goodness is not on trial based off of if your circumstance changes or not. And I have a feeling, a sinking suspicion that there is somebody under the sound of my voice that is going through a battle and a storm and something that they're facing this year that they have no idea how in the world they are going to overcome. I'm not sure either, but I can only imagine what your life would look like if you decided to worship God anyway. This message is perfect, especially if you're not a Christ follower at all. Because you might be facing something going, man, what in the world... (laughs) How in the world am I going to get over this thing? What would you do if I told you you would worship your way out? There's somebody that you work with that you cannot stand. You need a worship song in your office. You, go, you know, I got something for you, okay? It's called What a Beautiful Name, okay? Like, like you need to figure it out. You're going, but I need something to change. But what would you do if I told you that worship would be the thing that would usher the change? Instead of you waiting for the change to decide to worship. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of things that I want to accomplish in 2020. But I've already made up my mind that I am going to worship God as if the goals have already happened. And then, this is what happens next. It says, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed immediately. His leprosy was cleansed. This is not in the Bible, but I guarantee you it happened. This is what I call the NIV, the Negro International Version. You can read it later. Okay, this is my version. Okay, I'm going to tell you how it happened in my version. Okay, I'm not a heretic. I promise you. Okay, this, this happened. It, it, it had to have happened. I promise you. Okay, when they were coming down this mountain. Okay, they're walking down the great multitude. Okay, you got a guy, he bouncing. He's like, man, that message is crazy, man. I'm committing adultery right now. I'm going to have to cut my eye out. I don't know what's about to happen. Oh, man, be perfect, man. And Matthew 7 says, it ends by saying that they were amazed and in awe. They had never heard a speaker speak with so much authority. They're like, man, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, 
This leper comes. I promise you this happened. Somebody yelled out, Jesus, hey, heal him. Heal him, but do not touch him. Whatever you do, do that word thing you did one time. Like speak something over him, but do not. Don't touch him, Jesus. I would argue that Jesus didn't even need to heal. This is a man who hasn't felt human touch in 30 to 40 years. Even if he would have remained a leper, I think one touch from Jesus would have been enough to sustain him for the rest of his life. You see, healing him illustrates Jesus' miraculous power. But touching him illustrated Jesus' miraculous love. And I wonder if that touch from Jesus was ignited from a man that was just willing to worship him before anything happened. Here's what I know about you and me, is that all of us, we've got our goals for this year. And, and a couple of our goals, are some of us have physical goals. Some of us are, are trying to gain weight, all four of you. I'm glad you came this weekend. Um, every, everybody else, we just kind of have health goals, however you want to state it. Um, then some of us, uh, we've got some financial goals. Uh, maybe you want to save some. Maybe you want to invest some. Some of us have some career goals. You might be thinking about switching companies or starting your own business. And some of us have some relational goals. Some of us want to ring by spring. I get it. Praying for you from a distance. Um, some of us have some spiritual goals. Maybe you want to read the Bible throughout the year. There's nothing wrong with goals. I just Before you get started, worship. Before you get started, worship like it's already happened. Because here's what I've learned in the short breath of time I've been on this planet. You never want to put a period where God has put a comma. Because some of us will go, oh, it's over. That's that. Divorce, it, that, that's that. We, we, we sort of put this period on like this thing happened. But can I tell you this weekend? God's not done writing your story. Life's not over. And because he's not done writing your story, sometimes we have to think with the end in mind. And so if, if we're here and we feel like it's a period, but it's really a comma and God is moving us on all the way over here, what will happen is we will look back and say to ourselves, God has been faithful all along. And what you will wish in that moment is that you had been worshiping the whole time. Even when you couldn't see what was next. That's why it's called faith. That's why we worship. In these next few moments, um, I intentionally uh, wrote a shorter message to give us time to practice what I'm preaching. <laughs> um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back, and I want to give us some time to sing some songs together corporately. And I, I know that worship is not a song, but worship songs give our souls an anthem. And I don't know what your thing is that you need to worship God before it changes. 
But I just know that however the story ends, you're going to want, in that story, whatever God does, in that story, you'll want to be worshiping. About a year and a half ago, I was on a speaking trip, and right before I was getting ready to speak, I woke up in the hotel that morning, and I felt a very sharp pain um, in, like, in between my shoulder blades. And I only felt it when I was laying down or swallowing. But for the rest of the day, I, I, would, be, I would be fine. And so when I got home, I uh, was like, man, what, what should I do? I said, well, I got a great idea. Why don't you go to the gym and see if it gets worse? Because that's a great idea. And so, um, so I go to the gym and I play basketball for a couple hours, no pain. But anytime I would lay down, I would still feel that sharp pain. And any time that I would eat, I would feel that sharp pain. And I like to sleep and eat, so that was very problematic. And so um, I, go, I go to the doctor, and I, I was very scared. You know, whenever something abnormal is happening with your body, you, you just start to think all types of, of thoughts. And I remember um, I got to the doctor probably about 10 to 15 minutes early, and I just kind of had this moment in my vehicle and i'd love to tell you that i was like super spiritual and i had like all these healing verses that popped up in my head during that moment but that didn't happen it was just honestly a lot of worry and a lot of what ifs and you start thinking about the end of your life and you're like have i lived a life that i mean you just start thinking the worst you know and i didn't have a verse um i even reaching out to a friend felt foreign for some reason it felt like an admission that something was wrong and i didn't know that i even wanted to to go there and so i just i just remember sitting in that car and the only thing that that came that sort of bubbled out of my heart was a song and i just began to sing you have no rival you have no equal now and forever god you reign and for me, it was letting God know, like, you're in charge of the situation, regardless of what happens. And, and I walked to that doctor's office not knowing what they would say. I just did the test, whatever. And, and then, you know, there's that waiting period. And that waiting period is the worst, right? You're just like, oh, my gosh, when are they going to call? And, and I was doing something when they called. And they leave this voicemail. You know, the voicemail is always very dramatic, Mr. Leak. We have taken the test and what we've come up you're like okay just get to the get to the good stuff okay they said sir what we have found is that we believe that you have a trapped gas in your rib cage <laughs> i'm listening to this voicemail where i'm like trapped gas <laughs> so you're saying this whole time i just needed to like Live my life a little bit. Okay. It's so easy to praise God in that moment, right? But I'm glad I did it before. Long before anything happened. So I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing a couple songs together. And um, personally, I am... uh, I believe that our physical posture is an indication of where we want our souls to go. 
Um, I realize that everybody might have a different posture in which they worship. You, you might be hands in pocket worship. That's cool. You might be, you know, you don't go above the waistline with your hands worship. I get it. That's cool. Uh, some people do stomach ache worship. I get that too. You know, they just thank God for it. Uh, some people do the pointed finger. They just want God. They give, they giving God one. That's cool. Uh, you might be air guitar guy. That's awesome. Drum, air drums. That's, that God receives that as well. Um, I don't go full extension most of the time at church because I got long arms and I don't want to hit nobody in the face. Um, but I, I am going to ask you to, to uh, think about something today. And this isn't, uh, you know, uh, something that's just charismatic. But sometimes I, I just like to put my hands out like this. And, and oftentimes what I like to do is I, I like to visualize what it is I need to give God. Because that's what worship really is. It's handing something. It's saying, God, I surrender all to you. And sometimes you need to name all. Sometimes you need to say, Lord, I'm giving you this marriage this year. Lord, I'm giving you these goals this year. This is the best way to start the year is to just go, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. It could be a good year. It could be a bad year. But your goodness isn't going to be determined by 2020. (laughs) You're always good and you are worthy of our praise and worthy of our worship. And so here's my thing. Here's this job situation. Here is my son that I've been praying for. Here is this doctor's report that I'm waiting for, this doctor's report that I've already gotten. Here is my friend that's fighting cancer. I'm giving it to you. And before you change anything, before you turn anything around, I just want you to know my worship isn't hinging off of what you do for me next. You are worthy of it. And I'm going to give my life to you. Father, I thank you so much for this amazing church. This year, Lord, we start off on the right foot. We start off by surrendering all to you. We give you our goals. We give you our resolutions. We give you... That, that internal wish list that we live with, Lord, we, we give it to you as we sing songs in these next few moments, Lord. I pray, God, that there would be a monumental moment that happens for each and every person under the sound of my voice where we truly are giving something over to you. We're no longer in charge. We can't do it without you. We need you just as much as the left. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.